Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro-revenge video. Today we've got a crazy story about a terrible boss, but first, a story from Dragged Spirit Animal, Roommate Nightmare? Alright, two can tango. So my partner and I moved to San Francisco, and to offset the crazy costs, we brought with us a close friend that needed a new start. He struggled to get a job for less than two weeks before giving up and started blaming us for it. I'm a blunt person and told him like it was. Life can be hard, and he needed to suck it up, but that I knew he could do it. He lost his mind over it. He was furious, started lashing out and verbally attacking us. He started doing the stereotypical bad roommate stuff, listening to loud music late at night, refused to clean up after himself, etc. It got really bad. He left wet clothes in a pile in his room and made the whole apartment smell like mildew. He stopped washing his towel and it got so bad, stuff started growing on it. You couldn't even walk into the bathroom. Then it got weird. He bought hundreds of small rubber duckies and started leaving them all over the house. We'd find them everywhere. When that didn't get the response he wanted, he started sabotaging our food, poking tiny holes in packages. He left the door open and my cat was lost outside for a week. The last straw? He started using my loofah. How do I know? Because it smelled as bad as he did. He brought one bottle of body wash when we moved, and it was still half full six months later. Now for the revenge. He left his bike in the tiny living room we had, and you couldn't even get to the kitchen table. I bought a lock and locked it on the porch. Since he would have to break his now infinite silent treatment, there was no way for him to get it back. Since we brought everything for the kitchen, I moved all the dishes into my room. He wouldn't buy toilet paper. I moved that into my room as well. He would stream constantly and full volume at all times. I downgraded our internet so we couldn't get full resolution. Ruin my soup? I put the can in front of his door. When he opened it, soup went all over the floor. Use my loofah? I sprinkled it and his towel with cayenne pepper. The kicker? My cat got locked in his room, which I didn't have anything to do with, and peed on his bed. Ah, sweet, sweet revenge. Do you guys strongly agree in the belief that you don't truly know somebody until you live with them? Like OP said here, they were their close friend until they moved in together to cover costs. Do you not really know somebody until you're living in their space with them? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is from MindlessNote3735. You try to look down on me and I go even lower. To clarify, this takes place in Germany. I, female, 31, had a very weird group of friends in high school. The, if you have friends like this, you don't need enemies kind. One of these girls was Julia, fake name. She treated me horribly, but in the same breath, would call me her best friend without letting me really have a say in the matter. She would rip me to shreds behind my back, make up rumors about me, etc. It was a very confusing time, so our clique stuck together through the years of secretly creating drama and disliking each other. In hindsight, all dumb 14-year-old high school girly stuff, but at the time it truly hurt me a lot. Julia had a repeated grade and changed schools and I cut the friendship off right there. She still had friends in my school though and so the rumors continued for years. Even up to my mid-twenties, I would hear from people, oh, weren't you the girl who slept with XYZ? 
Even though I was the most boring, introverted high schooler ever, I learned to shrug it off, but knowing so many people had an awful misconception of me because of Julia was disheartening and anxiety-inducing. There's a good chance people my age had heard of me, even if they had never met me. This weekend, I was back in my hometown and attended an event with some friends, none of which I went to high school with. We were standing at a table drinking wine and enjoying the sun when one of my friends pointed out that a neighboring table kept looking at me. I looked and it was Julia and a whole bunch of other women quickly turning their heads away. They'd been looking me up and down and clearly gossiping. Now I'm not currently in my best phase. I've gained some weight. I was dressed cute but sloppily and was disheveled and sweaty. I felt self-conscious and obviously that was not how I wanted to meet a person that I had so much bad history with. But I'm not that boring, introverted high schooler anymore. Nowadays I'm outspoken, opinionated, and a little bit mischievous when the occasion arises. So I decided it was time to stretch my acting muscles and be petty for once. I went over, all question marks and polite smiles being like, Hi, I saw you looking, can I help you with anything? I did not say that sarcastically, I was genuinely just being polite. The women looked surprised and then one of them pointed at Julia and said, Oh no, Julia here just said you used to go to the same school. I looked Julia right in her face and said super excitedly, Oh really? The Montessori school? Which was my grade school. Julia looked really put off. Her face was super scrunched up and she replied confused, No, our high school's name. Listen, I'm not an actress, but I know I pulled this off perfectly. I made a surprised, then pensive face and said, Oh, and your name is? I could tell Julia was getting irritated. She said her name, and I thought for a second, and then apologized and said, Oh my goodness, this is so embarrassing. I really can't place you. How long were we in class together? Until 8th grade. She looked so uncomfortable at that. She was looking at my face like she clearly wanted to say more, but couldn't tell if I really didn't remember her. It was glorious. I was acting my butt off, sort of smiling apologetically and saying, Boy, I'm so sorry, that was nearly 17 years ago. But hey, please don't take it personally. I really only remember the names of people I was friends with back then. The other women were all sort of chuckling uncomfortably and one of her friends even said, Oh yeah, that happens to me all the time too. I can never place former classmates. We were just laughing a little, and then Julia just threw in a really meek, we were friends. I wanted to laugh at her at that point, but I kept it in and just sort of shrugged and said, I'm so sorry, I really don't recall, but hey, it was nice seeing you again. I hope you ladies have a nice rest of the evening. The look on her face when I turned away was priceless. I'll dream about it for years. I could tell her other friends really didn't think much about the whole interaction, but Julia was clearly embarrassed, so I made sure to wink at her when she passed me to leave the event. I personally love that despite putting this person totally down, OP preferred to kind of take the high road approach still. OP totally could have put them down really hard saying stuff like, Oh, were you that kid that flunked out? Like really twist that knife in there, or like when OP held back their laughing. I appreciate the polite high road approach rather than just full on dumping on Julia. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Every single video has awesome stories like our next story from Peanut Pox, think I'm too poor to buy my own macarons, think again. So me, 16 year old male, and my two sisters, 11 year old and 13 year old female, 
or on a day trip to Victoria, British Columbia with our mom. For context, I do have multiple part-time jobs. I'm not rich by any means, but I do have some screw you money saved up, which happened to be useful for this occasion. We stumbled across a macaron shop, and as you probably know, macarons are expensive as crap. I wanted only one because I was pretty full at the time, and so I asked one of my sisters if they could spend $2 on a single macaron for me, as they were already buying like 4 of them for themselves. She refused, which was whatever for me because it is their own money after all. However, what ticked me off is when she said in a snooty voice, Oh, you're too poor to buy your own macarons? I feel bad for you. Okay, witch, game on. So without a word, I went up to the counter and asked for a pack of 20 macarons. I went across the entire store, picking out almost every single flavor they had available, and said confidently, I'll have all of that on debit, please. They were left speechless at first, but once they realized I was actually getting 20 macarons for myself, they started whining to my mom and asking to have some, but she didn't care as it was my own money. All I said to them was, oh, you're too poor to get your own macarons? And I walked off eating my 20 macarons while they were stuck with their measly four. Was it petty? Yes. Did I just waste like 40 bucks for essentially no reason? Yes. Was it satisfying as freak to watch them squirm? Heck yes. I don't blame OP because if it was my siblings, I would be feeling the same type of way because you don't want your snooty siblings to be really able to hold anything over you. Now, I don't know if I would buy 20 of them for myself, but like, I feel like just 10 is enough to be like a big splash here. This next story is from Auk Lemon. Don't mess with an engineer. I worked for a company that provides specialized equipment used in manufacturing. To protect my anonymity, I'll have to be vague about what exactly this machine does. During my time working in this field, I got to know many clients who would need these machines installed and serviced. One of these customers will call Jake. I later left the company for a different job, but Jake apparently kept my number. One afternoon, I got a call from Jake that they wanted a new unit installed and another unit maintenance and wanted to know if I was available. I let him know that I left that company, but I could pass him on to someone who could help. He tells me he'll pay two times my current rate to install the unit over the weekend. He lets me know that the company has increased the rates for installation and the company just can't afford it. The instructions they sent over just aren't clear enough and their engineers are scratching their heads trying to figure it out. He begs me to consider it and I agree. For more context, installing this unit can take a good few hours or up to a day on your own. The company gives you two options. You can either pay for an engineer to come and install it, or you can save money and they'll send instructions so the customer's own engineers can install it. The instructions aren't easy to follow, and it's company policy that if someone has started to install the equipment, the supplier wouldn't get involved, since they couldn't verify that any of the pieces were broken. This will be important later. I drive down on the weekend, and they show me the boxes of equipment. I set to work and I make good progress installing the unit. Around 6 hours in, I'm stopped by Jake who greets me. I let him know I'm nearly finished and he tells me, sorry but they just don't have the budget to pay you. He understands my frustration but his engineers can take it from here. To say I was frustrated was an understatement. I wanted revenge. There's a small button inside the unit that changes the unit into test mode. This is done to perform maintenance on the unit. 
but it's impossible to configure the unit with this button pressed. It's only possible to reach this button using a pin so it's not easily pressed during installation. Because of this, the installation instructions don't mention it. There's no way of telling the equipment is in test mode, it just won't work normally. I think you can guess where this is going. I click the button, collect my things, and leave. Monday morning I get a call from Jake. I declined. I knew my old company wouldn't get involved since I already started installing the unit. I knew his engineers would never figure it out. I just had to let him stew. A few days later, with many missed calls, I finally pick up. Jake is furious. He asks me where the heck I've been and why I haven't been picking up the phone. He tells me they can't figure it out how to configure the machine and they need my help. I tell him, why is this my problem? You won't pay me. He told me he was sorry and they would work something out if I could get there as soon as possible. I told him, oh no, you're going to pay me 7,000 British pounds up front before I do anything. I'd never felt this powerful before. He screamed at me a bit and then hung up. He called back a day later after saying he's sorry for how he acted and said that if I could come fix it he would pay me in a totally defeated tone. He tried to fight it saying he'll pay when I was done but I was having none of it. After a bit of a back and forth he agrees to pay me. The money hit my account and I came in the next day. The look of confusion over his face when I took out a pin and changed the unit from test mode was priceless. It was even more priceless seeing his reaction to me packing up my tools and leaving after only 20 minutes of configuring. Easiest 7,000 pounds I'd ever made. Don't try to mess with a professional problem solver. I can't lie, every time I hear a story like OP's, it makes me realize every time you do like a goodwill job here, you gotta make sure to get an email or something, something in writing that verifies you're doing this job for an agreed rate. Because man, it can really come back to bite you if you just don't and they end up pulling the rug out from underneath you. Our next story is from Hierophant. No drinks, no tip. So I'm working a huge party, concert, misc event locations, and I'm the guy responsible for refilling the bars with drinks every time the bartender makes an order. And also picking up the used glasses and pints to bring them to the washing station we have. In general, I'm the guy that helps the bars running there. Sometimes there's two or three of us in a shift, but other times not. There can be nights that there's five bars open and the place is full with around 3,000 people. Just to give you a taste of what the job looks like when the place is packed on a typical Friday or Saturday night, imagine that you have to carry and deliver around 20 beer kegs, each with a weight of around 130 pounds, and around 60 cases of beer and soft drinks just when you start your shift. When something goes out at a bar, the bartender makes a new order that I have to deliver. And this goes on all night long, from 5pm till 6 and sometimes if there's any GOA parties, till 11. And just to give another taste of how big this place is, during a normal shift, according to my phone, I'm walking around 17 miles. Where I come from, we call this job runner. The unwritten law there is like this. Each bartender has to give 20% of the tip they make each night to the runner, because without a runner, he would have no drinks to serve. Nobody can really know who is really giving the 20% of their tip, but that's another story. But every bartender is giving something and it's usually a lot and all sides are happy. Then there comes a new guy and staff manager explains him the unwritten rule, saying exactly these words. 
You don't want to have problems with any of the runners, so be fair. When you're doing this job for a while, you know approximately if the tip you will get is going to be good or not. Fast forward, huge metal fest with all the bars open, three different stages and outdoor bars, etc., plus after-show parties. The place is packed like there is no tomorrow. The festival's happening every year, and it's one of the best shifts, even though a lot of work and around 17 hours of work. Yes, it's a lot, but walking home with a $1,000 tip is worth it. So the new guy has a spot at a very good-selling bar. They were providing and delivering drinks there like crazy. After a long shift when everyone's done, and they do their calculations, he brings the money to the treasury, looks at me and says cold-blooded, thank you, have a good night, tonight was a good night to work, and walks away without giving me my tip. That was it, folks. I kept doing my job every time he had a shift at one of the bars like nothing happened, and I was just waiting for a full-packed night to come. And finally, after a week, it was the time. Again, the place is fully packed. His first order arrives in my tablet. Sadly, I was too busy to deliver. One hour passes. He tries to call me on my phone. I pick up standing next to a subwoofer. An hour and a half goes by. A second order arrives from him. I didn't even deliver the first one. Sadly, I was again too busy. Then after a half hour, the shift manager calls me on the radio. The shift manager was also doing this job before getting a better position there. They say, hey, what the freak is going on? Why doesn't he have any drinks to sell? I say, I'm busy with the rest of the bars. The guests can go to the other bars. They say, are you serious? That guy can only sell water. Everything else is empty. And then I reply, he can sell water. But no one tips a bartender for a water, right? Small pause on the radio. Then they say, you can't be freaking serious. He's leaving no tip for you guys? I say, yep, you guessed right. They reply, I'm sending this idiot home positive. Personally, I've always felt like tipping and the fact that you have to rely on getting tips in any kind of job is kind of just disappointing to see. But in this situation, I would do the same exact thing. You're going to stiff me on a tip, especially when it's a notably big one. In that situation, OP is essentially doing lots of work to make somebody else more money. It's like, well, yeah, they're not going to do any work for a person like that. And our final story of the day is by Miss Plantasia. My boss thought that she could insult everyone, so I made her pay everyone for going on vacations. Last year, I took a summer job for a kid's camp. It seemed to be quite well paid and I wanted to try how working with kids goes. The hiring process was a little odd. As for the interview, I was called unexpectedly and that woman, which was later my boss, spoke on the phone for about two and a half hours plus and asked some really weird personal questions. For example, she asked, You aren't a co-vidiot, aren't you? Remember that, it'll factor in my story. Anyway, I needed the money, and it was the only callback I'd gotten so far, so I took it. She then made us all come in two times before starting the job, so that she could explain it to us. Both times it went on the whole freaking day, without it being included in our payments because it was not mandatory. I got to be the boss of my team. Then the first day came around and we faced 20 plus children with their parents. But the boxes with the name lists, the toys, and everything weren't there. We basically improvised and wrote their names as they came and hoped that they're indeed signed up. Later, the boxes arrived but the contents were measly at best. She had given us two kinds of games, Uno and something else, bought it like three times. 
We got little instruments for the kids to decorate, but when she came around to check on us a few days later, she screamed at us, the freaking kids shouldn't have been allowed to take the instruments home, which she never said and made no sense. The next few days went on like this. She came around and screamed at us for doing something that made sense to every one of us and pretending she'd instructed us otherwise at the unpaid, non-mandatory orientation meeting, which I attended every time. She just talked about her personal life, no instructions. She went on and offended every single person in existence. She doesn't want to have lactose intolerant or handicapped kids in the camp because they're too much of a hassle. My Muslim colleague got scolded for wanting to go home to her toddler after a 10-hour shift, and she asked her in front of everyone if her son still sucks on her chest, because otherwise she doesn't have any reason to go home. Parents with questions or complaints are to be educated like kids because they behave like that when they didn't get screwed by their wife the night before. Also, she made us work more than 12 hours without a break and gave me crap when I stood up and went home at 12 hours worked. We have a law that requires that here. But two events stood out when she went after the kids. On the first occasion, you have to remember that this woman has an unhealthy obsession with corona. She not only changed the rules of everything anytime it fit her narrative, with us, she also did that with the parents which led to misunderstandings every single day. She asked the children, aged 4 to 10, which one had done an antigen test and who had a PCR test. Of course, the children didn't all know what that is, and a little 5-year-old girl raised her hand for the false one. When the witch, my boss, noticed that, she gave this poor girl the scolding of her life and told her that she's dumb as a rock for not knowing the difference. Pretty sure this girl had spit on her face. I was so in shock I probably should have slapped her for that, but I didn't. This girl tried hard not to cry and didn't come back the days after. The second incident was even more disturbing. A four-year-old boy hit his head at the playground when they were all outside. I was back in the office when my colleagues came running. I called the boss while my colleague called the ambulance. When I told her that and how my colleague was already on the phone with the ambulance, she scolded me. But not because the boy got hurt. No, no. Because we called the ambulance. In her world, it wasn't that bad and her father shouldn't find out. As if he was blind and wouldn't see the open wound anyway. The ambulance came, told us it was completely fine, even mandatory to call him in this case as an institution, and the boy suffered no further injury. He's fine now, thankfully. But I was furious. I was completely freaking out of anger. I had only worked there for 9 days and the kids as well as us had been abused enough. Instead of going after my impulse to call her back and tell her off, I called myself and the next day, I didn't go to work but to the doctor. I explained to her that my boss abuses me but I can't terminate the contract early. So to keep me from snapping, she put me on a sick leave without an end date. My boss was not amused when I sent her that doctor's note but I ignored her calls. I then proceeded to talk with my teammates and encourage them to get sick leave and told them exactly what they can do and say to get that. They even tried to get rid of my Muslim coworker illegally. I explained to her that the paperwork from them is not legal and she should ignore it and also go on sick leave. So in about a two week frame, my location had to replace all six people including me, the boss there, and I took all the records home too so she couldn't just pass them on also changed the password to my email account and did everything to piss her off. 
The story doesn't end here. As I found out, the word spread like a wildfire, and because she was such a piece of crap to everyone at every location, one month after the start, she lost more than half of her staff. Some of them still had to be paid sick leave. Apparently she called some of them and begged them to come back, and offered bonuses as high as double the pay, and still nobody came back to help. The silver lining was that the parents also had enough, and many kids were taken out of that camp. So end of July was there, I was on vacation, sick leave, and she calls. She proceeds to tell me, suspiciously calm, that if I don't want to come back next month, I should tell her now, and she offered to end my contract without further obligations and with my payment for the whole month of July. I tell her about how I'm coming back because I really want to get better and other BS, and of course I just didn't, and I proceeded to collect one additional full month of sick leave without ever even speaking to her directly again. I also went out of my way to continue offering information for every single staff member of all locations that wanted to leave and still get paid or wanted to know where they can report her. So in the end, this is what she got for being a disrespectful witch. She lost half or more of her workers. Everyone hates her and wants nothing to do with her, really bad publicity included. She had to pay me the full two months, my vacation time out, in money which is quite expensive for them as I didn't take it because I was so sick, pay my overtime and the mandatory bonus you get for doing extra hours, all of this multiplied by 6 at least. I got around 6,000 euros for 9 days of work from them. Her entire enterprise went downhill. Of course, I also had to get my money through legal support, so that came onto her too. I can't explain how much detail I put in the legal planning. So to get all the people paid out as much as possible without any chance of legal repercussions ever, my butt is safer than safe. She will never be able to retaliate on what I did there. I studied law for a while and got everything double checked by professionals. She tried to harass me, I blocked her, but I heard she read my personal information to other colleagues who stayed there and called me all possible names. So, if she should ever even try to sue me or blackmail me, I have evidence and witnesses for trying to dox me, insulting me, and various other things. Honestly, after I wrote that down now, I'm kind of proud, but also surprised at how nicely all that worked out. I didn't see any listings searching for that project this year, so hopefully that went downhill, and I hope she went back to heck where she came from, unemployed. I think I speak for everyone when I say a person like this should never be allowed to work in any kind of industry where let alone have access to interactions with children, but they shouldn't be able to work in any where they have to interact with any other person. They deserve to work in some box somewhere where they screw bottle caps on the bottles and once the time is up they go home. That's the kind of industry fit for a person like that. Or maybe someday they'll even work behind bars. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another revenge story that was crazier than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. But with that said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. shopify.com slash work.